0: This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Good afternoon, glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippy. Seaspire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. For the last oh, hour and a half or so, I've been reading through everything I can possibly find to try and understand... And get an idea for what is next based on some news that came down this afternoon. The NCAA and its board of directors has okayed Borky, I'm trying to say this right. Uh, uh okayed a working group and some members and NCAA division one, two, II, and three um teams to move forward with plans to potentially lay the groundwork for players to be able to make some money on their name, image, and likeness.
2: Pretty much, yeah. And so if all of the headlines are wrong, basically. NBC. Some have more nuance than others. CBS was a disaster. Uh, just an absolute disaster because that is is just not what is happening. Basically, what they are doing is uh, – like you said, getting a group that by 2021 can come up with an idea to allow players to potentially make some money off their name, image, and likeness under their current model, which is, I mean, who's to say what that will actually be? So all they're really doing is kicking the can down the road. And the author, I guess, of the bill in California already said what they said today is not going to be enough, that they'll keep that law. So, Kicking the can down the road, they certainly did not open it up for athletes to make money. They are just, they voted to consider in two years a possibility of letting this happen under their current amateurism rules. Yes, I
1: I agree with everything you said. However, uh, completely setting this aside as no big deal today is also disingenuous, because this is the first step. And I think it's a pretty landmark deal for the NCAA to ultimately say, we realize we're going to lose on this, and so we're going to finally begin to be somewhat proactive in allowing players to make money. The board said that modernization... Of the current NCAA bylaw should occur within the following principles and guidelines. This was announced, by the way, after an NCAA Board of Governors meeting that was regularly scheduled that happened at Emory University in Atlanta. The president of the University of Ohio, uh, oh, I'm sorry, of the Ohio State University, uh, Michael Drake, presiding over the board. He's the chair. So the board said modernization should occur within the following principles and guidelines. Assure that student-athletes are treated similarly to non-athlete students unless a compelling reason exists to differentiate. Maintain the priorities of education and the collegiate experience to provide opportunities for student-athlete success. Ensure rules are transparent, focused, and enforceable, and facilitate fair and balanced competition. Make clear the distinction between collegiate and professional opportunities. Make clear that compensation for athletics performance or participation is impermissible. Reaffirm that student-athletes are students first and not employees of the university. Enhance principles, diversity, inclusion, and gender equity and protect the recruiting environment and prohibit inducements to select, remain at, or transfer to a specific institution. (laughs) We will attempt to unpack some of that this afternoon with you, and we'll get some of your reactions to it, and we'll talk about what it could mean going forward. I actually do think that uh, that today is a semi-landmark day, and it is maybe the biggest day for college athletics since the day in 1984 when... I guess it was the Supreme Court that ruled in favor of Georgia and Oklahoma and basically struck down the NCAA's rights to handle the television deals. It was that ruling in 1984 that opened the door for big television contracts and paved the road for the SEC network and the Big Ten network and Pac-12 networks and the ACC network and massive amounts of money being rolled in and ultimately has gotten us to where we are today today where coaches are making $10 million or $7 million or $4 million and student-athletes are looking around and going, hey, how about us? And that's kind of where we are.
2: Yeah, it sounds about it. I think what to – I mean, so I said on Twitter that the NCAA didn't do anything today. As far as, like, actually advancing that legislation is really what I meant. They didn't do anything today. They just said they're going to do something at some point. Isn't what today told you that the pressure that is being put on by politicians is working? Isn't that the message
1: today? Yep, no doubt about it. Hey, Dad, what was your take on all this?
0: I'm sort of in the camp with you, uh, Richard, that that I feel like this was at least a first step in the right direction. Uh, It it will take some time to get it right because this is the NCAA and nothing ever moves quickly, and usually when it does move quickly, it moves in the wrong direction. But I, I feel like today was a good day For student-athletes, I'll put it that way. Rippy?
3: Yeah, I just feel like they think they know they're going to lose in all of this, particularly being pressured by politicians. So I'll be skeptical if anything ever actually comes of it, but them acknowledging it is noteworthy.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, that's, that's the important part of this in that they have acknowledged the fact that, okay, the landscape has changed. We've got to do something that makes sense in the 21st century because we're not in the 20th century anymore, and we've got to get with the times. And you know why? Because we're about to get our pants sued off. And if the NCAA wants to fight, this has turned into a mess because the NCAA dragged its feet for so long. Had the NCAA been smart and forward-thinking, they would have gotten out in front of this before California enacted a law that now will have to be repealed or will have to be superseded by federal law. Had a couple of phone conversations with, with people at kind of high levels in college athletics, trying to kind of understand. And everybody goes, yeah, it's the first step. There is an element of kicking the can down the road and trying to buy some time. But there is absolutely a realization on the part of the NCAA that we can't afford to fight lawsuits. In 50 states that were probably not going to win anyway. That's number one. And number two, I think the NCAA realizes that this is such a big deal that this was a self-preservation move. It wasn't just about the ability, because we know the NCAA lawyers love a good fight, and largely they've been successful. This was about sustaining the organization, period. Because the people who work at the NCAA, not the people who make up the committees that are from the schools, but the people who actually work in Indianapolis at the NCAA, they believe that what they're doing is right, and everybody else is wrong, and they're being forced into this. They are being absolutely dragged, kicking and screaming by people that have more power than they do. And that's the thing. Generally speaking, the NCAA has more power than everybody that it's dealing with because it's made up of member institutions, its charter comes from schools, you got a bunch of .edu people who are true believers, and there's nobody that really has the ability to stand up to them because the power of the NCAA is yielded by the schools. Federal government doesn't give a crap about that at all. I think if we don't agree with you, we'll just change it. Well, we might make some of your schools in California ineligible. No, you won't. We're changing it anyway. Come fight us. We dare you. So that's where we are. We'll talk a lot more about this as we roll through the show this afternoon. Bill Bender from the Sporting News will join us. Look forward to getting Bill's reaction to this story today and uh, some college football stuff as well. Chad Morris, if you are trying to... Convince yourself that he guaranteed an Arkansas win yesterday. I think you're going to be disappointed when you hear the actual audio from the press conference yesterday from Chad Morris, head coach at Arkansas, in advance of their game at Mississippi State on Saturday. Um, article from Adam, Adam Rittenberg at ESPN. Coaching search article. Says there's not going to be a ton that happens this year, but here's some interesting stuff that might happen. old Miss mentioned a couple of times. So is Mississippi State. Lines for games coming up this weekend. What does Vegas say? We'll look at that. We'll look at some college football playoff scenarios beyond just the top four. World Series resumes tonight in Houston. And a whole lot more. Plus, your texts on the C Spire text line. Again, 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. Glad to have you along on a Tuesday. I think we're going to be busy this afternoon in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. What's up? Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Glad to have you along. A World Series action tonight. Game 6. First two games went to the Nats in Houston. Next three went to Houston in D.C. And now we return to H-Town. Does this thing end tonight, Rippy, or do we get that magical Game 7?
3: I'd probably tend towards it ending tonight, but I don't know. I mean, you never know. The series has been kind of unpredictable. It has
1: been. What are you looking for tonight? Verlander against who? Do we know? Is it official on who the Nats are throwing? I guess lineup cards have probably been turned in. I'll take that as if we don't know. Steven Strasburg going to throw for the Nats. Yeah, it's in the show notes I sent you about an hour ago. Thank you. I just jumped ahead a little bit and was not looking specifically at that right now. So Verlander... 0-1 Owen 1 in the playoffs or I guess in the World Series Strasburg won his only start. You
3: got a lean there? I'd probably lean Verlander, but I mean it's kind of a wash as far as pitching. Like I don't I don't think really one team has that much of an upper hand as opposed to the other. So, I don't know. I mean it's hard, I mean it's baseball. It's difficult to predict a one game scenario.
1: Who do you like tonight, Borky? Oh, well, heck, I don't know. I'm
2: just just—I'm actually excited to watch it, believe it or not. Is this the first game of the World Series you will have watched? I guess I can't lie. Yeah, yeah, this will be
1: the first one. <laughs> you watched a little bit of playoff baseball early. You said, ooh, this is fun, and then you hung it up for almost a month. Well, a baby came. Well, yeah, but, I mean, that should have given you lots of time. Mean, you took a month off of work. You just sat around <laughs> with a baby. It's not like you couldn't watch TV. Oh, uh, yeah, but then football and
2: stuff. And, you know, if, if I would have walked away in that first week just to watch sports all day,
1: I think the wife would have been not too pleased, so. Yeah, it's fair enough. Who you got tonight, hey Dad?
0: I feel like I, I feel bad about backing away from the Nationals at this point. But, I mean, in Houston with Verlander, although we did think the comment that Verlander has lost more World Series games than anyone else, you know what? We'll stick with that. We'll, we're going to get a game seven.
1: You like the idea? I mean, you you started out with the predicting the Nationals to win it all because they had a little something special, yeah. and you had to feel
0: really good for a couple of I games. Felt, yeah, I felt great two zero. I was like, I was right, but uh, it, it seems to have turned around. But we'll see what happens tonight. I, I'm going to take the Nats to win, and then you know, in game sam- game seven, the pile will throw on the what the hell ever light, and we'll see where it goes. Uh
1: what do you think the odds are that the, uh, the ladies who made an appearance in uh, Game 5 in D.C. find their way somewhere in the general direction of behind home plate tonight in Houston?
3: Aren't they banned?
1: Well, yeah, they are, but I mean... Does every ticket taker in Houston know exactly what those two women that decided to... Not show at all, but show a lot of it on uh, Sunday night, look like. And how can you enforce the banishment? Hey, Because
2: they're like in... Well,
1: they can it was, be escorted out once they're recognized. Right,
2: but they just put a hat on or something and then like have a big shirt and, and you can hide yourself. Like the, the Houston Rockets banned a guy for life for punching a New Orleans coach in the face after the game. I'm not kidding, but he's banned for life. What happens if he just goes on StubHub and grows a beard? You can get right back into the stadium, so yeah. it's just like a, a superficial thing more than an actually, enforceable thing.
1: I mean, the, you had the guy from uh, Barstool, Dave Portnoy, that got dragged out of the Super Bowl, right? He was banned from being there.
3: Yeah, but he was posting about being in there and like, was not discreet about it. Like he was not trying to not be seen. That was not the point.
0: Yeah. Oh, he wanted. I was to get banned for out. life from the Waffle House on Washington Street in Vicksburg, but I've been back since then. Have you? Yeah. Why were you
1: banned for life from the Waffle House on Washington Street in Vicksburg? My drunken friends made a scene.
0: I was I was an innocent bystander. You were an innocent bystander. I was, I swear. I, if I was part of the shenanigans, I would cop to it. But that was like, you know, 30 years ago. I have eaten at that Waffle House since then. What and, were the shenanigans? had no problems. You know, they were they were they were maybe a little tipsy and a little louder than they needed to be. Go, that's, that's, that's all, you know, we don't Drunk and loud doesn't
2: get you kicked out of a Waffle House. That is just, Waffle House. Just,
0: just 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 you know.
2: Was there One a fight? The
0: no, 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 there was no fight. One of the guys involved was no longer with us. There's no point in sullying his memory.
1: Did um did anybody like go behind the counter and try to cook no, their own no. eggs?
0: No, no, dear God, no. No, nothing like that. I think, their own I, think, bacon? I think there was an overreaction by the, the Waffle House staff, to be totally honest with you. Oh, is this revisionist
1: history, or uh, no, are you no, no. trying to soften I'm, the blow?
0: I, I'm just saying that they they told us never to come back, but we have since been back, and there was no issues there. I think it probably it a probably large sta- part of that is the the turnover at Waffle House is probably great. It's not that they took our picture and hung it up or anything. So
1: well, that's where I was headed next. It would stand to reason that probably there's been a full staff turnover at that Waffle House at least over once. the course of a number of years, thirty some odd years. <laughs> yeah, twenty like it cl- closer to twenty years, I would imagine. You ever been banned from any establishment, Rippy? And asked to never
3: come back? I don't think so. Not that I can remember. I feel like I would remember, too. So, no, I don't think. (laughs) You would think. I don't think so.
1: Borky, you ever been kicked out of somewhere for good?
2: Uh, Not for good, no, but I've been kicked out of a lot of places.
1: Hmm. No great stories, though?
2: Well, I, I've told the one uh, on this show a couple of times before about how I got – I wouldn't say I got kicked out of a bar, but it was more like carried out of a bar after I won a beard chug competition and threw up oh, all yeah. over the town of Eatonton, Georgia. Oh, yeah, and
1: then got really sunburned the next day.
2: Yeah, fell asleep uh, on on the boat the next day and got so sunburned I was peeling for weeks. I was pulling full, like, dollar bill-sized bits of skin off of my back. Yeah, that was, that was fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Washington is 6-0 and straight up in the last six road games. So the last six road games that the Nationals have played all in the playoffs, they have been winners. Houston, in its last 11 home games against the Nationals, 1-10. and Hmm. 54% of the money that has been wagered tonight has come in on the Nats. Mattress Mac not included. Well, I mean, I guess he probably is included in that number. 59% of the money that has come in has been on the over in the game. Total runs, the over-under is seven. Houston a favorite on the money line and in the run line. And how about this? Game six of the World Series with a chance for the Astros to clinch at home You can get in the door for $494. That's just... I mean, we talked about this some last week. Rhino told us that he would pay $10,000 to watch the U.S. in a World Cup semifinal match. And that was more than anybody else was willing to put up for anything. I think Haydad and Rippy were in the 500 range but only if it were for good seats, which means they're not going to the World Series. I don't think face value you can get good seats for 500 bucks at the World Series. But in the worlds of like secondary picket markets, $494 to potentially watch your team
0: clinch the World Series? That is reasonable. Yes? I think so. I think that's a – especially if you're a diehard Astros fan – that's a reasonable price to get in there and watch your team win. Yeah,
3: I mean, four hundred bucks is not very much.
1: In the grand scheme of things.
3: Yeah, I mean, for a World Series ticket, obviously not just the face value of the money, but yeah, four hundred bucks for a World Series ticket, no matter where, is pretty pretty good deal.
1: Yeah, yeah, I uh, certainly agree with uh, with that. Uh, you can text the show six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. Josh from Laurel says, "But what if they lose? Well, you can turn around and spend four hundred bucks again tomorrow night, and have a chance to watch them win." And if they lose then, you're out of grand, or give or take. You can't make game ticket purchasing
2: decisions based on what if they lose.
1: Yeah. And we're kind of, uh, I I can't read this exactly the way that you wrote it, I don't think, Rob and Amory. He said, what are the odds of seeing more um, female anatomy at the World Series? That's kind of what we were getting at earlier. I mean, if those ladies are smart marketers, they go back tonight, right?
2: They've gotten all the clout on social media they wanted.
3: Yeah, it's an expensive trip, too.
1: Yeah. Uh, Donald in Oxford. I went to Cubs-Indians game two at Wrigley. Cheapest seat in the house was three grand. Oof. I want to know what wow. people do for a living. Thomas in Greenwood sends a pic- uh, send us a picture. Did you guys see this the other night? Guy that had a uh, a cold beer in each hand. Yeah the uh, the Bud Lights took a home run ball smooth off the chest.
3: Ooh, I did not say that. Yeah, he did didn't not drop either
1: beer. beer. And Bud Light reached out to him via Twitter. That was like, "Hey, we want to say thanks to this guy and provide him a little reward." Can't wait to find out what he tweeted terrible a couple years ago. <laughs> Good point. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Thank you for the U Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at Supertalk.fm. Let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Bill, what do you think your name, image, and likeness is worth? <laughs>
4: Hey, you know, like, I, I, everybody can say they're real happy for the athletes, but let's be honest, everybody's just happy that NCAA football's coming back at some point, probably. Um, no, it's good, though. It's good ruling. It's good move by the NCAA. It's, uh, again, probably a little boxed in, but making the right decision there.
1: In reality, does today change anything, or does today just lay the groundwork for the change that was inevitably coming one way or another?
4: I think that's what it is. It's a response to the california bill um you know athletes that's what they deserve, and um, I don't think it'll have any drastic impact on the sport one way or the other that that isn't positive um you know, if those worried that like one school's gonna stockpile a bunch of talent, well, we're already in that environment news flash what's that? I said
1: news flash.
4: Right, right, yeah, like like Alabama and Clemson aren't going to be good all of a sudden. and You know, but I, I think it's a good thing, good step in the right direction for the student-athlete and their well-being.
1: We won't spend the entire time on this, but I did think it was interesting that the, uh, the congresswoman from California who drafted the original legislation that was uh, signed into law said, we're thankful that the NCAA is moving in the right direction, but all these parameters that they're placing on it, and I'm paraphrasing, Forget about all that. We're not stopping short of full compensation rights for name, image, and likeness. If that turns out to be the case, and that's where this thing ends, is there any reason whatsoever that I can't go create an LLC for Dick Cross's widgets and things and build a website and then go pay young five-star Bill Bender $10,000 to be a spokesman for my website that basically produces nothing?
4: I mean, that that that's going to be kind of the, the underbelly of it. You know, now, how teams get around it, what do they do? And, you know, we, we all, the, the cynicism in all of us kind of says, well, doesn't that go on already? And, you know, but this will make it into the light even more. So I think it's something to keep in mind. But I, I hope it doesn't turn college football into the Wild West. I don't think it will. I just think it's another way. Like, like I've always said, if uh, – you know, Tua wants to go down the street and do a Tuscaloosa car commercial and get some money for it, I don't see any harm in it.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with you. And and Borky was pointing out, I think this was actually during the break, not on the air, a few minutes ago, is this may be a bigger deal. Uh, even though you you had the Student Athlete Advisory Committee pop up with a statement about their concern for all the non-revenue sports, I actually think you've got an opportunity here, for some athletes in non revenue sports who have niche success to really be able to benefit from this. Uh yeah, an example would be that there was an old Miss softball pitcher a few years ago who went on this amazing run and everybody kind of fell in love with her. This all of a sudden gives her the opportunity to go out and to your point a second ago, advertise for the local car dealer or, you know, the local chicken fingers place if they're willing to spend yeah,
4: what what was um Mississippi State center, Tiara McCowan, I saw her a couple years ago. At the yes. Championship game, real yep. tall center. Um, yeah, go get a commercial. You know, And she would probably have that opportunity under this. And that's, I think this circumvents the other thing where, you know, if you want to pay all the players for what they do, I mean, it's a brutal reality of it is that just to keep using Tua as an example, Tua is worth a lot more to Alabama than the backup fullback is. And that's where you run into some issues with this, because should Tua be paid the same stipend as that backup fullback, who I don't know who it is? Probably not. But, you know, this is the way of it. So I think the likeness way is allow these athletes, if what they're worth at least in terms of what they do for the university, this allows them to get some money for it. and I have no problem with that.
1: It's almost like it's the way free markets work.
4: <laughs> yeah. Hey, imagine that. They did something that, that – uh yeah, now now it's just a matter of how do we pick the part to make it look like the NCAA did something wrong.
1: Fair enough, because they'll have to justify their existence in uh, in some way. Um, let's look at a couple of games this weekend. Uh, a, a little bit of a quiet weekend. We, we are a week away from one of those landmark Saturdays that, that everybody's going to be paying attention to. Um, Auburn. Is hosting Ole Miss on Saturday night. Auburn's a big favorite in the game. Ole Miss coming off an open date, little banged up, not a ton of identity right now offensively, uh, at least beyond uh, from a diversity standpoint. Is there anything that Auburn should be concerned about, or, or is there a path you see to Ole Miss potentially having success in this
4: game? Well, um, two off team, you gotta watch how they react. It could go either way. I mean, because Auburn's not going to Atlanta and probably not going to the playoff at this point, but. So, how did they react to that? After they lost their first game, they reacted by beating somebody 51 to 10. And I think it was Mississippi State. Now, this one um, might be a little bit different. Now, I-, I think we'll miss Connecting Around for a half, and then Auburn will probably get the run game going and be able to pull away in the second half. But that, you know, with me, and you look at teams like that, the spread does look a little high.
1: What about Mississippi State, who has had issues offensively? and got popped pretty good by Texas A&M on Saturday, headed to Arkansas. That, to me, just at a surface level, there's no scenario where Arkansas should win this game, but how much concern should Mississippi State have, from your perspective, going to Fayetteville against a team who is once again winless in the SEC?
4: No, well, they're going to take care of business because they're catching Arkansas in a week where they, you know, after you play Alabama, you're also physically beat up a little bit, so... Um, that's one mississippi state's got to have I've, I've got them in our bowl projections with a couple of sec teams that are right on that kind of line uh, of being eligible and not eligible so this is one they're going to need to get in
1: even though it's not where college game day is going the biggest game of the weekend and the game where the stakes are the absolute highest this weekend happens in jacksonville the cocktail party number 8 georgia number 6 florida both of them one loss teams it is a college football playoff potential elimination game uh but probably bigger than that the winner of this has got the inside track to the uh, the sec championship game how does it play out in
4: jacksonville it's a tough one to read because i you know the initial guess is to take georgia take that running game figure jake Fromm finds a way that lines ballooned up a little bit getting around the touchdown now and you figure they're going to win again for the third straight year but i mean florida just about kyle trask he's played well played well in the lost LSU, and, and their defense had two weeks. This, this rivalry has produced a couple unexpected results in the past, and that could totally happen this week. I'm still taking Georgia, Richard, but I just have that weird feeling where it's like I've been saying all week, I'm going to take Georgia, and I'm probably going to be wrong. <laughs>
1: uh, I get that feeling. I, I certainly I feel like I do that a lot when we make our picks uh, each week. I am... Mildly, maybe more than mildly interested in Virginia Tech going to Notre Dame. It's going to be cold. There's a chance of snow. Uh, Virginia Tech looked pretty bad at the beginning of the year. But since that 45 10 loss to Duke, they have ripped off three in a row. And these are both five and two teams. Has Virginia Tech got a shot in South Bend after it feels like Notre Dame was maybe exposed a little against Michigan last week?
4: Well, they found a running game, I and mean, that's Notre Dame's weakness. They haven't been able to stop the run. I mean, that was – that Michigan. I was up there. That Michigan game was like perfect situation for Jim Harbaugh. You take the quarter- quarterbacks out of it, and which team can run the ball better? And Michigan was pretty good. Um, so it depends on Notre Dame's interest level. If they're engaged on offense and Ian Book's playing well, which he's played well at home, shouldn't be a problem to beat Virginia Tech. But uh, the Hokies have a running game. If they can run the game, control the clock. That's another one where I thought the line looked a little high. I think the Hokies can cover, but I don't know if they can pull off a full-fledged upset.
1: Hey, who's going to win the Pac-12 South? Southern Cal at 4-1 or Utah at 4-1? I guess Utah's got the tiebreaker head-to-head.
4: Oh, wait, well, no, Southern probably, Cal won that game head-to-head. Yeah. Well, the most interesting Pac-12 November game this weekend, I think, with Oregon and USC, because if Oregon wins, you figure they're probably in good shape to win out and, and go 11-1 and push the playoff conversation if they win i think utah and oregon need each other though and i say that and it's they're both 11 and one at the end of the year pac 12 has an interesting championship game in the last couple of years that has not been the case that's kind of one you and i probably channel surfed over a little bit um but if they are they still playing
1: it at five o'clock on a friday night <laughs>
4: yeah it, it's it's in a weird time slot too so i think if they uh they're both 11 and one and they play and you know, a couple of these teams lose, uh, either Oregon or Utah will have a shot. You just can't lose twice. So that's why I say Oregon USC interesting for that. And also interesting if USC loses, you know, we'll be back on that clay is Clay Helton on the hot seat watch.
1: Yeah. Five and three overall but four and one in the uh, in the Pac twelve South. La- last thing for you more likely to get into the playoff a one loss Pac twelve champion or a one loss Oklahoma as big twelve champion
4: that's uh, a big big debate. So let's let's assume that the Alabama LSU loser somehow gets cleared out and that last spot becomes 12-1 Oklahoma versus 12-1 Oregon. In that situation I would probably take Oregon because I think their lost auburn's a little more forgivable. They they had that game to the last minute. They yeah. played well. I don't know. I mean we can measure the Pac-12 strength versus the Big 12 strength. I would say they're comparable. Um Oklahoma, obviously, the bigger brand, but I, I think Oregon would have a compelling case at that point. I think Oklahoma beat Utah, though, if it was one loss Utah versus one loss Oklahoma.
1: Certainly, it'll be fun to see how this plays out. Bill, always appreciate your time. Good insight today. We'll talk to you soon.
4: Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on.
1: That is Bill Bender from the Sporting News with you on the Farm Bureau phone line. You can catch up with statewide leaders and elected officials at this year's MEC Hobnob. The Gallo Show will be there on Thursday at the Mississippi Coliseum. To register, go to msmec.com. And then on Friday, the JT Show will be on the road in Ellisville, celebrating one of the fastest-growing towns in the state. Find out what this town is doing to grow so quickly. Brought to you by Wally Forestry, Indum Trailers, Community Bank, the Jones County Board of Supervisors and the Economic Development Authority, and uh, finally, next Tuesday is Election Day. Get live up to the minute results from across the state during Super Talk Mississippi's 2019 Election Special Coverage. Tuesday, November 5th, starting at 7, you'll hear results from News Mississippi plus analysis and discussion. From guests from across the political spectrum, you can hear the election coverage on your local Supertalk Mississippi station, supertalk.fm, or you can watch it online at supertalktv.com. And you need to know that the election night coverage is presented by Ingalls Shipbuilding in Pascagoula. Ingalls Shipbuilding, the largest industrial employer in the state, and currently they are hiring. To learn more about career opportunities at Ingalls, visit them at buildyourcareer.com com. Forky, a little fair or foul?
2: Yeah, I wanted to bring this up, and uh, this is uh, what did we get called yesterday? I, I got called soft for uh, something that we talked about yesterday. So maybe this will happen again. But there was a exhibition game in SEC women's basketball last night. Alabama hosted Auburn Montgomery. The final score was 105 to 16. The entire fourth quarter of the scrimmage was a forty-one to zero (laughs) run. It's a tough way to finish it out. Yeah, but my question is closing. Yeah, I get. And the the coach after the game had the audacity to say she wasn't thrilled with their rebounding effort. Um, My question is, if the disparity is that great, what are you doing playing the game? Uh, There's no way anybody gets anything out of that at all. I know it's college athletics and, you know, whatever. Back in my day, we got beat up really bad, and look at me now, but there's no reason that should have been played, exhibition or not. That's absurd. Alabama probably got worse playing against that poor group of girls.
3: Well, I mean, it was just a scrimmage. Ole Miss plays full-on exhibition games against, like, Mississippi College. Well,
2: that's what this was. This was an exhibition game.
3: So it wasn't. A, it was a game, not a scrimmage. Women's right. basketball exhibition game. Okay.
2: So this is exactly like Ole Miss playing Mississippi College on Monday. However, the final score was one hundred and five to sixteen.
1: I don't know, Borky. I think you're soft. <laughs> it's just. I, I stupid. mean, I, I get what you're saying, but I mean, it's an exhibition game against an in-state foe. You're not going to spend any money to bring anybody in for that. You're just trying to get your team to work on their stuff against somebody else and. I guess they were able to work on their stuff. And Christy Curry State was able to come up with the ultimate coach speak and say, I was disappointed in the offensive boards.
0: Mississippi State played a women's basketball game last year. A game, not an exhibition, an actual in-season game against Coppin State that they won 110-38. to 38. And I Ooh. promise you, I was at that game. They could have won that game 175-10. to 10. It, they the, the other team had no chance whatsoever. It was 41-6 after the first quarter. I mean in women's college basketball for whatever reason the the disparity is as great as it is in any other sport. And sometimes these things just happen. But the, being an exhibition game, I, I I got even less of a problem with this.
3: Yeah. I mean there're conference games aside and NCAA tournament games aside about 30 40 fairly regularly. Yeah. That's different than <laughs> almost it's all last year. I, sure, sure, but obviously d di- like you know
1: you're talking about a 16 seed against a 1 where they get beat by 60.
3: No. 13 4 sometimes. 4 13, whatever it's a 30 point game. And yeah. In women's college, you Don't talk about men's.
1: No, I understand. So the margin here was what, eighty-four, it was an eighty nine point win. Quick math there. Yeah. Wow. And just I you Did know, they, play the game, don't the, play the, the game, whatever. <laughs> Lord only knows. <laughs> the line. I mean eighty eight <laughs> and a half. At Alabama well Alabama surely was covered uh, was was picked to win by like thirty to forty right what would the money line have been oh minus six hundred thousand thousand
2: I just there's no way you get anything out of that that's that's the bigger angles look they're college girls they'll be fine they probably text their boyfriends after the game and and everything's all good
1: but there's no way you got it was anything very out each of, of you they're stupid little boyfriends I didn't call them
2: stupid but There's just no way you get anything out of beating somebody like that.
3: Last year, third seeded Iowa State, 97. 14 seeded New Mexico State, 61. Last year, second seeded Oregon, 91. Indiana, 65.
1: Maybe it was just an off night for Auburn Montgomery. If they turned around and played this one again, it might be, you know, 96 to 50. Tweets from somebody that was there
2: said that there are a lot of high school teams that could have beaten Auburn Montgomery just as bad. Like they couldn't dribble, they couldn't shoot,
1: they couldn't pass. Yeah. Uh Jeff on the Ceasefire text line, Richard, make sure your boys vote. Guys, you got a week to get ready for it.
3: I already did. Let me do it early.
1: Did you? Uh, Little absentee vote? Yep. Taking the fifth, huh? We're stuck, Mississippi, with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. About establishments uh, that you've been asked to leave and never come back to? Uh, we got a couple of uh, submissions on the C Spire text line. Chris in Oxford said, Two buddies and I got banned from a Chinese buffet in Sinatobia when we were playing at Northwest. We were in there for an hour and a half eating. When we were finished, the owner said, Boys, did y'all get enough to eat? And we said, Yes, sir. And he said, That's great. Don't ever come back.
0: <laughs> True story. That wasn't something that would uh, happened to me. Say what? That was something that would have happened to me. Ah. Uh,
1: let's see. This was another one. Uh, he, we were asked not to mention the name. I got barred from an establishment for six months in college for opening up a closed bar in the back one busy night. Of course, I was not employed there, nor was I charging. Preceding the event, I may or may not have remembered chugging beer out of some girl's shoe. That explains the nature of the text we get from you every day.
3: I, uh, I my, one of my roommates, got banned for life from eBay. Technically, wasn't life; it was like 160 years. But from eBay, yeah, for made what? A, made a second account and started raising his own bids. <laughs> That's just
1: entrepreneurship. <laughs> How did they find out?
3: The credit card or address or something matched up, and he got an email that he had been banned. For 160 years. It was some, like, they didn't say life. Like, it was some number that was clearly, like. Unless he turned into Methuselah. I mean, I guess with advances in modern sciences and his high level of income, it isn't crazy to think he lived to be 240, 300. just cryogenically freeze yourself. And then you come back to spite them in twenty one seventy three or whatever it is. That was Talladega Nights. I don't know what cryo whatever that is.
2: <laughs> it's what these people are doing, like rich celebrities and stuff. Where like after they die, they get their heads. I'm serious. They get their heads like frozen because they anticipate technology advancing so much that at some point they will be able to like bring you and your brain back to life.
3: There was a huge, very Tom cruise There was a huge dispute uh,
1: of, by Ted Williams' estate among his children about oh, yeah, yeah. that. About cryogenically freezing him so that when modern science caught up to being able to bring people back to life, they could uh, could do that. It
3: didn't work out well for Antonio Brown. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they brought Ted Williams back in 100 years. He'd still hit 320. I guarantee it. I tend to agree with you. Sports
1: Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. For a couple of weeks, we have been telling you about the Hunt of a Lifetime contest. Well, the end has arrived. Today is your last chance to register to win the Hunt of a Lifetime. You have until 11-59-59 tonight until the uh, contest ends. All you got to do is is go to the Mississippi Land Bank website, mslandbank.com, enter your child's name, and then put your name and contact information in there for a chance to uh, win. If your child is between the ages of 5 and 16, then they will be eligible to win the grand prize that includes a lifetime Mississippi sportsman's hunting license and also a fully-funded duck hunt at Beaver Dam Hunting Services in Tunica, or a fully-funded quail hunt at Prairie Wildlife in West Point, or a collection of hunting apparel and promotional items and hunting supplies. So you get to choose from one of those three in addition to the Lifetime Sportsman's Hunting License. Again, all you got to do is go to mslandbank.com Enter your child's name between the ages of 5 and 16 and enter your name and contact info for a chance to win the hunt of a lifetime. Really cool promotion going on from Mississippi Land Bank where they know the lay of the land. Um, we talked some about this yesterday. Arkansas hosting Mississippi State. And Chad Morris making a quote-unquote guarantee that Arkansas was going to win the game. And I think if you listen closely to what Chad Morris said, you will realize that going to, or gonna, has two different meanings. There is, hey dad, the we're going to do this, Emphasis in this is what we are going to accomplish versus we are traveling to this event to try and do this. Correct. And if you listen to what Chad Morris said, it was as if he was saying when he said, we're going to, or we're going to, we're going to try and win the game. He didn't say to try and, but what he was saying was we're going to try and win the game. And then he immediately turned it into who they were going to play and who they thought was going to be eligible or not eligible, but available because of injury or age or whatever. Porky, have we got it ready where we can listen to what Chad Morris said? Yep, here it is right
2: now.
5: Chad Morris. Well, you know, first of all, we're we're, we're going to win this football game this week, and, and whoever we feel like is the best opportunity for us to win that game uh, is first and foremost who we're going with. I don't know that right now at this point, um, but uh but I do know that we're, we're we uh, you know all, all options are on the table, and we would love to have an opportunity to to um, you know to get some more of our younger guys in at times, but we're going to win a football game and and uh, that's that's our approach.
1: That was not your big bare mouth writing checks that your bumblebee butt can't cash. that was we're going to do everything we can to try and win this football
0: game. I've always heard alligator and chicken, but sure. Yeah, well, I was going for some alliteration there. There you go. Yeah. Am I, I interpreting that correctly? No. no. He's trying to say, we are going, we're going to get on a bus and go to the stadium in the attempt to win a football game. It's not, we're going to win the football game. It's, we're going to win the football game. In the same sense that we're going to eat dinner
1: on Friday night, after we go over and have a walkthrough, and then we're going to have breakfast on Saturday morning, and then we're going to the locker room to put our pads on, and then we're going to win a football game.
2: Correct. You can't call it a guarantee when the guy follows up, we're going to win a football game with, I don't know who I'm going to play yet.
1: (laughs) I mean, we're going to try to give ourselves the best chance.
2: It's really different. I saw somebody draw a parallel to what Doug Peterson did. I guess this was uh, two weeks ago where he said, quote, we're going to go down to Dallas, our guys are going to be ready to play, and we're going to win that football game. And when we do, we're in first place in the NFC East, and we control our own destiny. It's a little bit different than that.
0: Yeah, this this is just another situation where somebody – Put the cart before the horse, basically, and and thought they had something big. They don't. They don't have anything big. There was no bulletin board material. Although,
1: if I'm Joe Moorhead, I mean, look, I tried a version of Bull in the Ring to get my guys awake and ready to play last week. I am going... To get the copy of that quote, and I am going to blow it up, and I am going to put it on a bulletin board with the Arkansas head coach saying, we are going to win this football game. I don't care what the message actually was. I don't care if my players listen to the quote or not. Odds are they're not going to. I'm going to put it in great big bold letters, though. Ethan from Guntown says, seems like people need to learn the difference between we're going there to win and we're gonna. He's right. Um, yeah. Do you think that that will happen with Mississippi State?
0: Do I think they'll they'll use it as motivation? Yes. Um. I, I, I mean, I would imagine it will get brought up. Yeah, I I don't see how you wouldn't. Do it, I, I mean, mean, if
1: if if you are Joe Moorhead, do you tell somebody in some department to print 80 copies of that and one gets taped in every single locker inside the visitor's locker room so the first thing your players see when they get there is, quote, we're going to win the game, close well, quote, Arkansas well, head
0: coach Chad Morris? I would imagine there's a TV in the locker room you can hook, hook an HDMI cord up to and you can just play this thing on a loop nonstop. We're going to win the game. We're going to win the game. We're going to win this, this over and over again.
1: Stan and Ripley Borky would like for you to play it again.
5: Well, you know, first of all, we're 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 going to win this football game this week, and, and whoever we feel like is the best opportunity for us to win that game uh, is first and foremost who we're going with. I don't know that right now at this point, um, but uh, but I do know that we're, we're we uh, you know all all options are on the table. And we would love to have an opportunity to to um, you know to get some more of our younger guys in at times. But we're going to win a football game, and, and uh, that's that's our approach.
1: First and
5: foremost,
1: we've got to figure out who's available, and we'd like to get some young guys in there. But
3: just we're... do bull in the ring until eleven or left. Play with them.
1: Sports talk Mississippi <laughs> with you. In the Renaissance Bank studio, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Sports Talk, Mississippi. Ceasefire text line open to you, 601 879 4395. 601 879 4395. Um, I think it was somebody that said, Good grief, play it again. He said, First four words out of his mouth, we're going to win the game.
5: I mean, sure.
1: man, That's fine. If you want to hear it that way, be my guest. If that's the way you hear that, then get that bulletin board material tattooed to your left forearm so you can look at it all day long. Go for it. Be my guest. If you need bulletin board material to beat Arkansas, there's a bigger issue. True statement. Very much so. All right. Adam Rittenberg's story at uh, ESPN. It's actually on ESPN+, Plus, so it's behind a play- paywall. If you want to subscribe so you can read it, also be my guest. I actually did that just a couple of minutes ago so that uh, I could see the article in its entirety. Rittenberg says, The 2019 coaching carousel is shaping up to be incredibly boring especially if USC hires Urban Meyer. Because if Urban Meyer gets that job, he's out of football right now, and it creates a domino effect of zero. Uh, he also mentions Rutgers, where according to industry sources, he writes, the focus is still on Greg Schiano. Again, no dominoes falling as a result of that hire. He says no changes are expected in the Big 12. Illinois' recent surge increases the chances of Lovey Smith coming back. The ACC expects to be quiet other than possibly Boston College. Rittenberg writes the SEC might become a hot spot, but would potential vacancies like Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, and Arkansas really shake things up? He says there will be some surprises in the cycle. There always are. Someone will go to the NFL. Someone will retire. Someone will get fired somewhat unexpectedly. Here are five realistic hypothetical scenarios that would or could send the coaching carousel spinning this year. Number one, Southern Cal hires Penn State coach James Franklin to replace Clay Helton. He writes, few in the industry would be surprised to see Franklin as Southern Cal's next coach. Meyer's return is no guarantee, and he might not be the preferred choice of new Southern Cal president Carol Folt. Hmm. If the Penn State job opens, the candidate pool would be excellent. Adam Rittenberg writes, four names immediately jump out. Baylor coach Matt Rule, a former Penn State linebacker, Iowa State coach Matt Campbell Mississippi State coach Joe Moorhead and Cincinnati coach Luke Fickle He says, Rule recently received a contract extension but it wouldn't prohibit him from taking a job like Penn State Moorhead, who shined as Penn State's offensive coordinator in 16 and 17 must turn things around with the Bulldogs but still has a strong support among key Penn State people Campbell and Fickle, obviously See James Franklin at Southern Cal? It's probably it's a dumb question.
2: But what at this point makes Southern Cal a significantly better job than Penn State? Southern Cal. Okay. So just in name only? Recruiting base in California. That that also helps, but it's not like Pennsylvania produces no athletes. They're up there as far as per capita college NFL players he's getting guys lot, he's got an lot team. Become,
0: it's a lot easier to become the, the best team in the Pac-12 than it is the Big Ten when you've got Ohio State Michigan Wisconsin right there USC can I easily think, surpass I think you Washington answered question
1: though Borky I mean it's name it's history it's tradition it's the Coliseum it's recruiting base it's Southern California how's that worked
2: out for Chip Kelly
0: UCLA, UCLA is not USC. USC, yeah.
2: It's in Southern California. They play in the most iconic stadium in college football. All the resources you can imagine, the recruiting base. There is a history, although not as good as Southern Cal's, of winning.
1: It is a public school not a private school, with a history of underpaying its coaches and not paying its assistants very well. The game has changed since Chip Kelly has left it. The Rose Bowl is, at best, 45 minutes from UCLA's campus, and it's not USC. Do you, really, do you honestly look at those two jobs in the same light? No, but
2: they could be similar. They're in the same city. In the same city. It's not like the Coliseum's a nice place. It's a dump. It's in a bad part of town, too.
1: They just put like $300 million in it. I mean, like they've completely redone the Coliseum.
2: They did one side with a really nice-looking press box.
1: Uh, I respect that we disagree on this, but... I don't think I can argue with you about whether or not USC and UCLA are the same caliber job.
3: What's the difference? Other than it's...
2: But the answer was it's well, it was USC. Like
3: tangible answer? Private school, public school, commitment what, what, to winning is national
1: what? championships, history, pedigree, recruiting base, recruiting reputation. Recruiting base? They're in the same city.
0: USC can recruit nationally a lot easier than UCLA can.
3: Pete Carroll did Who else?
0: John Robinson. Who else won at
3: USC? No, talking about recruiting nationally toward that level. Same level.
0: That's my point, though, is a good coach, Urban Meyer, can go in there and recruit at that level. Urban Meyer could go into
2: Urban UCLA re- and recruit yeah. at that level.
3: Urban Meyer could recruit at Rutgers at that level somewhat. They should Urban Meyer. From- History
1: I doesn't I, I, matter I, I anymore. I, I really can't decide if you guys are just trying to be, like, devil's advocate contrarian or you really don't see the difference between the jobs at USC and UCLA.
3: I don't buy the history thing. That's working out great for Tennessee. Like, and no, Nebraska. Tennessee does not have the same but history as Southern Cal. Literally, none of these kids care about, like, history. Like, nobody, none of these kids are like, oh, man. Okay. Why Simpson, do you think
1: Clemson's right. winning? They have Southern Southern no history. Southern Cal has the swag. Is that... I mean, does that make it care more for kids? What have they done since Pete Carroll left? Well, they've hired
5: I
3: bad coaches. I a series That's the point. Idiot
1: head coaches.
2: Yeah. I don't
3: see how they're that big a difference anyway. Because you can go get a name like Chip Kelly that Florida couldn't get and ended up with Mullen as a second option, you're obviously an elite-level job. Chip and, Kelly had his pick of jobs. And Florida's really fortunate that it didn't work out. Sure, in hindsight, 2020, though. Yes. But he was that doesn't change the fact that he was the most sought after. I'm not saying
1: UCLA's there. not an attractive job, but it's not Southern Cal. Right. Southern Cal is in the same stratosphere as Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Texas, Florida, Oklahoma. UCLA is not.
0: I agree with that. I'm just trying to figure out by what standard. By the winning national championships standard. UCLA has none. Southern Cal has a bunch. I mean, by, by your argument, what's the difference in the Alabama
1: job and the Georgia, or the the, the Alabama job and the <sighs> Albert job prior to Nick Saban getting there? So,
2: an uh, excellent coach elevated a program above another one without an excellent
0: coach. That sounds very
2: similar to Southern no, Cal and UCLA. Alabama
0: was already elevated above Auburn. Was prior it prior to Saban? Yes, yes,
2: yes. What did Alabama do before Nick Saban? The the, the coach before Nick one, Saban? Ho, where ho, were they? Ho, what? Uh,
0: no, oh no, 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 my no, no. God! No, hold they, on, you're hey,
1: twelve Ed. national
2: championships. You need to go home and go to bed,
0: whatever. Your lack of sleep has finally gotten to your brain. Can I
2: get something out? Can I say something? The coach before, listen to me before you start yelling at me. The coach before. Okay, well, let's go
1: back to the coach before, before, before. And the conversation that we had with Gene Stallings sitting at SEC Media Days, when I asked him specifically, he's a Texas A&M grad that coached at A&M and coached at Alabama, and I said, if you could go back to your alma mater or to Alabama and coach one more game or coach one more time, which one would it be? And he looked at me and he goes, there's just something about coaching in a place like Alabama.
3: Well, that seals it. I don't think USC and UCLA are that far off in this day and age. The Alabama stuff did lose me a little bit.
2: The UCLA only point Jim I Kelly. was trying right. to make Jim before Boyle. you guys did what what you do was that a great coach can elevate one program over another. If Nick Saban was at Auburn, they'd be significantly better than Alabama. And they would have buried Alabama the same way that they have Auburn. That That would have happened. Because they are in close proximity to each other. Absolutely.
1: I do not disagree with you okay. about a great coach having the ability to elevate the program. That's the I vehemently disagree with you about USC and UCLA being the same caliber job. by our text line, hopping Tim and Columbia, they are both left-wing liberal cesspools. Just saying.
0: That's you. That's, that's you, relevant Rippy. to the. That's relevant to the discussion.
3: Well, we got a tweet too that said they're, they're in California. We're in Mississippi. Like, who who the hell cares? Like, congrats on your gubernatorial bid, or you could win the governor's race off that.
1: Uh, it's USC. Just as these celebrity celebrity criminal moms and dads, David and Socher. I'm talking about football, not rowing. <laughs> Uh, Here's one. Think Penn State is as good a job as USC. Okay. But what about Penn State versus Pitt? Do y'all drug test? Luke and Flowood, by this logic, Indiana and Notre Dame are the same. Hmm. No. Greg says, anything west of the Mississippi River, I could care less. It's like China to me. Uncle G. They points out that uh, Auburn beat Alabama 6 in a row before Nick Saban got there.
2: Alabama spent a decade being completely irrelevant before Nick Saban showed up. That well had a Sugar Bowl in there but largely not good. An SEC championship too, didn't they? that Sugar Bowl year, if I remember okay. correctly. But they were they were not good for a decade. They were just a pedestrian by SEC program by their standards, but the ones we're talking about here, uh, they, were, they were pedestrian by their standards for a decade. And then Nick Saban came and then took them to the level they are now. If the roles were re- reversed and in 2007, for some reason Nick Saban goes to Auburn instead of Alabama, I, I am willing to bet that the situations would be identical to what they are right now, just opposite. Nick Saban would have won multiple national titles at Auburn. And Alabama would be fighting and doing whatever they could to keep up.
1: Mm. And don't forget, Auburn
2: in the Nick Saban era has won a national championship.
1: No, you're right. And went to another one. No, I, I don't think there's any question. I was never arguing to the contrary that the coach matters. But somehow we got into a discussion of whether... Southern Cal or UCLA was a better job.
3: Well, I just y'all have a hard time understanding how they're on different stratospheres when USC's last four coaches have been Lane Kiffin, Ed Orgeron, Clay Helton, and Steve Sarkeesian, Leadership matters, too. But if you're like that coveted of a job, how do you end up with those four?
0: Because USC has done such a poor job as an athletic director of making sure they hire USC guys. It's like That's the Michigan man is. thing or something. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it, Exactly. Ed Orgeron went to Northwestern State. He was the interim. Yeah, that's not really a good good example. Uh, somebody said... Clay
3: Hilton went to Houston.
0: He played at USC, Sounds didn't he? You, or he'd been there a long time, one of the two.
3: I don't know. I mean, Blaine Kiffin went to Fresno State.
1: He was an NFL reject. But had ties to Southern Cal under Pete Carroll. I mean, that, that's been... It's not has ties... Not, yeah, but this not, is not being like a Southern Cal guy, Southern Cal has attempted multiple times to recreate what Pete Carroll had there by bringing in Pete Carroll quote-unquote guys. And the reality is they haven't recreated Pete Carroll. When Nick Saban ultimately leaves Alabama, they're going to try to recreate Nick Saban with whoever the next guy is. There's a strong possibility it falls short. See, I, I'm
2: in the camp of, and LSU's probably a counter-argument, even though he's changed a lot. I think a coach makes a job more so than a job makes a coach. Urban Meyer won a BCS game at Utah. That was before they joined the Pac-12. Coaches make jobs more so than jobs make coaches, in my opinion.
1: What has USC done since 1995? One- two national
2: championships, the better argument would be since 2004.
1: That was not me asking the question, by the know, way. That was a, a question on the uh, C Spire text line.
3: What was the year he cut off there?
1: 1995. He had a pretty good run out there since then. A couple of Heisman trophies and one of them vacated. Uh, do you see Chad Morris at Arkansas next year? They are really horrible. Or does he get another year? So, let's press timeout just for a second and go back to where all of this started with the article from Adam Rittenberg. And let's go to the SEC portion. He says, SEC coaching chaos as four jobs, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and yes, Auburn... All open. So this is Adam Rittenberg writing about plausible hypotheticals in what is expected to be a boring year for the coaching carousel. Unless you're a head coach when boring is good. He says expect at least one of these jobs to open. Back-to-back years without a coaching change in the SEC would raise the question, does it really mean more? I wouldn't expect four firings, but a combination of poor finishes, rising emotions, and deep-pocketed boosters can rapidly change the landscape. Auburn is in a category of its own when it comes to coaching impulsiveness. But if the Tigers finish 8-4 and or worse, the school's power brokers might be willing to pay Gus Malzahn's massive remaining guarantee more than $27 million. Here's where it gets interesting. If Gus becomes available the thought is Arkansas would do whatever it takes to bring him home, including firing Chad Morris, which would not be a difficult sell. Short of that, Chad Morris is back next year. You guys agree with that? If Auburn were to, for whatever reason, get rid of Gus, he immediately goes home to Fayetteville?
3: How do you sell 0-16? It's
1: hard. But, I mean, you keep selling that Brett Bielema left the dumpster fire and it was a complete rebuild. And we recruited well last year and we're going to recruit well this year.
3: But they didn't even end up recruiting that well last year.
1: No, they finished behind Ole Miss and Mississippi State.
3: That seems suboptimal. In Which their... puts you So what are you selling? In the why, West? I don't understand. I, I'm not, I uh, guess, disagreeing that he's back next year. I don't know anything about that situation. But why is that just assumed? Like, because it's only the how do you go back-to-back back two and ten, not be very good at recruiting? Like At that point, what are you doing well? He's about to have his son come play quarterback. I don't understand what. What do you? What is the? What is the upside to sticking with Chad Morris? It's a great somebody, question. Like, somebody like. somebody like? I'm legitimately asking you, if there's an argument out there like this is why he's our guy like. That 14 and 22 record at SMU really has us wanting to stick with him for year three.
1: You got to pay him 10 million to get rid of him plus whatever the guarantees are for the assistants plus you got to go pay the new guy. I mean, probably cost you 15 to 17 million to get rid of the entire staff and then you got to turn around and go pay a new guy more.
3: I just don't understand. Like he was he's made his hay off of being the offensive coordinator at Clemson before Clemson was Clemson. He's had 3-2 win seasons and one bowl eligible season and 5 seasons as a head coach. That's pretty solid work if you can get it. Wouldn't a good comparison be that, yeah. I guess I'm not being totally fair. He could win the third game this season.
2: (laughs) But, I mean, he took over a program that was not in the best shape in the world, and then he had a complete system change from Bielemus to his, which was going to take time. But in the SEC West, a job that they looked down on, uh, which is old Miss just got through with a five year NCAA investigation and multiple bowl bands and you were not competitive against them. And Morris's year two. Weren't competitive.
3: I don't understand the argument to bring him back. You can't tell me that there isn't someone out there that would have done better even in these circumstances than four and twenty. Four twenty. What do you think about that, hey Dad? Um but
1: <laughs> Am I looking at this right? They're two and six.
3: Yeah, they're two and six. And they're two and six with a
1: seven point win against Portland State, a uh, loss to San Jose State, and a remaining schedule that includes Mississippi State at home, Western Kentucky at home, LSU in Baton Rouge, and Missouri in Little Rock.
3: So they'll go three and nine. Saying he had a third two in season is not fair. You sure they're going to beat Western Kentucky? I don't know.
1: I mean, I'm not being flippant when I say that. Western Kentucky is not terrible had a really bad loss at the beginning of the year, but they've been pretty decent since.
3: I just don't get the Chad Morris thing. Like,
1: Once you know it's
3: over, end it. The rest of the I whole
0: SEC thing... That. Say what, hey there, I don't disagree with that, what, what Morky just said. What must be done eventually should be done immediately.
1: Um, Lane Kiffin would be the ultimate troll hire for Auburn against Saban and Alabama, but the Lane train hasn't been moving quite as well the past two seasons. Vanderbilt, Arkansas, and Ole Miss probably would have some candidate crossover, but it also distinct targets. Arkansas would do everything it could to land Malzahn if Auburn lets him go. Mike Norvell, who nearly got the job two years ago, would be a very good choice. The school, did he really nearly get the job? I don't, I think that's not how that played out. The school also could pursue Boise State's Brian Harson, who spent the 2013 season as Arkansas State's coach or Washington's Mike Leach Appalachian State coach Elijah Drinkwitz who is from the state of Arkansas is a good option down the list as well In addition to Norvell Ole Miss would probably consider Louisiana Lafayette's Billy Napier UAB's Bill Clark Clay Helton spent a decade at Memphis and could fit here if USC fires him Larry Fedora's name pops up Holy cow. Sports Talk Mississippi.
2: But a candle in the
1: window. You um you talk about coaching changes, but I feel- and- Man, it stokes the fire and and the questions and all that. So we'll get to as many of these as we can. Um, here you go. Best coaching, uh, head coaching job: Mississippi State or Ole
0: Miss? <laughs> Flip a coin.
3: Didn't I do we have get a- in this debate this summer.
0: We did.
2: I do have a question for you guys on that, though. I was having a conversation last night with a a buddy who's a South Carolina alum. And he wants Muschamp gone, all that stuff. And he said this. He said, it must suck for Ole Miss to potentially be looking for a coach in the same year that Arkansas and South Carolina will be. Because they would be third in that pecking order. And I just let him go, whatever. He's a buddy of mine. Doesn't matter. But is that actually true? If they are going for the same pool of candidates, which this ESPN story said they would be, why would Arkansas and or South Carolina actually be ahead of Ole Miss in this example or Mississippi State for good measure? What makes Arkansas outside of... They have more money in a nicer stadium. Why is that a better job than Ole Miss?
3: Money... Money is the underlying factor in all of this.
2: It, it is. Yeah, I agree with that. But look at or the last the decade. significant.
1: Yeah, I don't think Arkansas is a better job than Ole Miss or Mississippi State. I don't Currently. either. Why? Because
3: of where it's located. I would say it is because of where it's located. Arkansas I, does not
2: produce athletes like Mississippi does, even with two schools in the state. And you're
1: you're... you're
5: but still, your this... in-state
1: recruiting base matters. It just does because that's your starting point from a recruiting standpoint. That's why Arkansas never recruits its way into the top ten or top fifteen nationally.
0: Now, the, the, ad- you, the addition you, of you get Texas to... A&M to the conference really hurt Arkansas recruiting because they used to be able to go into Texas and say, you can play in the SEC. Well, now those kids can just stay home and play for Texas A&M.
1: Bud in Jackson says Ole Miss is a better job than South Carolina.
0: I don't agree
3: with I that. I agree with what hey, Dad said, but if you look at Arkansas's roster, they still have plenty of Texas kids. Like, it probably hurt them some. I'm not denying that at all. But It's not the same caliber of be, kids. Being though. the only SEC school in your state, it's not like they're devoid of talent around them. Like, and why can't they win? Like, Memphis kids... I mean, they have one before.
2: I mean, With Houston
3: and Bobby Petrino before, you know.
2: But what was winning? I mean, what was it winning? Was they, went to, they went to a
1: Sugar Bowl and played Ohio State under Bobby Petrino, and that got vacated. Didn't? No, Ohio
2: State's side of that got vacated. Yeah, but I mean, Ole Miss went to a Sugar Bowl more recently than Arkansas did.
3: Yeah, but that nowadays the sugar bowl, but that was back then. Nowadays the sugar bowl is the exact same thing as the cotton bowl.
1: Arkansas went with ten wins, Ole Miss went with nine.
3: But still okay. Houston Nut went to sugar two sugar bowls by today's standards. It was just the cotton bowl. Sure. But point being, I think there's more of an advantage to being the only school in your state. I don't think the recruiting thing is is all it's propped up to be because I mean they get plenty of kids out of Memphis. When's the last time Ole Miss got a really killer kid out of Memphis? Not because they don't exist.
2: Well, Miss got the best offensive lineman from Arkansas last year.
3: Fair, and took a linebacker from them. But I just think I would,
1: I would. Who, Lakeia Henry?
3: Yeah, but I would, I would think that being by yourself, like I think one of the biggest disadvantages Ole Miss face and state faces is one being two of these smaller. Look,
1: I, I made the point that you're making on an on a interview that I did last week. I said if you could rewind 115 years and redo it again, you probably would configure things a little bit differently with regard to universities in the state of Mississippi. You would have one, and you would have 40,000 students, and all of the revenue focused, and more in-state players, and an eighty-five thousand-seat stadium, and who knows how many national
0: championships.
3: And the name—if the name's the Sharks, you got to go to the coast instead of. North us pro- pro- probably but, a
0: better mascot is where I was going to go, but yeah, you're right.
3: <laughs> but I think that I think that kills them more than anything else. I think Arkansas's got a much better advantage in that sense. All I'm right,
5: not hey, it's hey, not hey Dad, splitting. Hey matters. Dad, we'll do it
1: this way. All right. We'll take state's mascot and Ole Miss's color scheme. And everybody wins.
3: Mm. Oh,
0: I guess geez. this is like Southern Cal and UCLA debating. Come on, it can't, it, it can't be, it can't. It, you, there's never going to be a, a, a win. I, I, I tweeted out those pictures. You saw that.
1: I said we'll take state's mascot.
3: I'm sure this is riveting radio, but a maroon shark on the sideline would be pretty cool. A maroon shark? That'd be just yeah. very odd to look at. No, we're taking state's mascot
1: and old Mrs. Color Skin. Hey, what
0: are you for? Russia, hey dad. Hey, Russia's colors right now are red, white, and blue. Somebody's been bought off. S- Sickle
1: and hammer. They're, I know. I don't know red and, yellow. Have Dra- red or, and uh, yellow. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Red and yellow. Southern cow colors. I yeah. All right, we got to a grand total of none of the text messages I intended to get to there, but <laughs> we will carry on. College football fix is next in the Renaissance Bank studio. Tuesday afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank, online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank. Where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing or refinancing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been in the business for over 100 years, which is a really long time. And they know their business. So if you're a farmer in North Mississippi looking to refinance an existing loan, get a production loan, buy some equipment or buy a new piece of property, or maybe you're not in the farming business. Maybe you're just looking to buy a piece of recreational land. So you've got a spot to hunt or fish or just hang out or maybe build a house in the country. Mississippi Land Bank, work with you. They would love to have the chance to earn your business, and they're great people to work with. MSLandBank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of land. I'll tell you one last time, you have until midnight tonight, To register for the Hunt of a Lifetime, your chance to win a Mississippi Lifetime Sportsman license and a duck hunt or a quail hunt or a really cool apparel package, courtesy of Mississippi Land Bank. Go to the website mslandbank.com, enter your contact information and your child's name that is between the ages of 5 and 16 for your chance to win. That contest ends tonight. It's the Hunt of a Lifetime, courtesy of Mississippi Land Bank. It is time right now, although really it started about, oh, two hours ago, for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford tough. If you haven't been behind the wheel of an F-150 in a really long time, do yourself a favor. Just give it a test drive, whether it's the XLT or the STX model or maybe you jump up to the Lariat or the uh, the King Ranch or one of those platinum versions. They are fantastic. Plenty of cargo space, lots of leg room, a whole lot of good in the F-150, the best-selling truck in America for the last 42 years. Uh, you want to be a part of the conversation, you can text us on the C Spire text line You got news, Rip? Grant Tisdale
3: is in the transfer portal. According to? E.J. Holland, Michigan Rivals guy. Okay. No reason to believe that's not true? I'm working on that now. All right,
1: we will uh, continue to dig on that uh, just a little bit. Um, let me let me zip through a couple of these text messages that are related to the conversation. We'll try and put a bow on that and then look ahead at, at the lines that are coming up uh, this weekend. Um, Thomas and Greenwood sent us this. Senator Richard Burr from North Carolina tweeted this. Shortly after, the Associated Press and others put the information out about the NCAA permitting athletes to be compensated for their names, images, and likenesses, according to the NCAA's Board of Governors. it's not exactly what happened today, but that's the gist of it. Here's what Richard Burr, the senator from North Carolina, tweeted. If college athletes are going to make money off their likenesses while in school, their scholarships should be treated like income. I'll be introducing legislation that subjects scholarships given to athletes who choose to, quote, cash in, close quote, to income taxes.
2: The first line in that's a complete non sequitur. Those two things are are not related and um, pretty hypocritical for a conservative to advocate for more taxes, but that's a statement probably for a different show on this network. How about this?
1: How about this? That makes a little bit more sense. Tax them on the income generated from their name, image, and likeness revenue. Wouldn't that have to be done?
0: Yes, that would be by law. Have to be done. All of the, a sudden, we want to
1: start taxing scholarships as Do revenue. We tax
0: academic scholarships for pe- for kids who have jobs and profit off their name, image, likeness outside of. Athletics, so, so tone do that deaf. So, so tone deaf. Hey, something's
2: trending. Tweet about it. Go. And that legislation would die of a very quick uh, death if he actually goes through with Senator
0: it. Senator from, from North Carolina, am I correct? Yeah, I'm sure yep. Duke and North Carolina want to deal with that.
2: Well, what I'm noticing people have a hard time figuring out with this whole deal the schools will not be paying the players. The schools will not be paying the players. their scholarships will remain exactly as they are and ninety nine percent of student athletes will not receive an additional diamond compensation.
1: this is not if you don't receive if if you're if you don't receive an additional diamond compensation it's because you're lazy yeah. <laughs> good point. If you've got the ability to go out and market yourself and you don't, then that's on you
2: and what? I can't find the motivation behind restricting these kids. It, the example I used during a commercial break is when I have my best points, I guess. Like Braden Thornberry, for example. He was a well-known guy, won a national championship. He could not teach lessons. If, let's say, Johnny has a, a son that wants to play golf. He's eight years old, taking up golf. Wants to get lessons from you know, the Ole Miss golfer, Braden Thornberry. He couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. It
0: gives avenues. That's a really for, good
1: point, Morky. For those kind of people, baseball players teaching hitting lessons,
0: softball yeah. players teaching hitting and pitching lessons. How much money would Jake Mangum have made? The Jake Mangum Hitting Clinic. Sure. With Elijah McNamee, Brent Rooker comes down. You know, he could have made a ton. He'd have made more money. There'd have been more money in that than there would be in the Mississippi State baseball camp, probably. So what are we what is everybody afraid of?
2: The Alabama running back getting a hundred thousand dollars? Is that what we're
0: I, afraid of? I saw, I saw something on a message board. This is gonna kill parody. I was like, what? Parody? In college football? What are you talking about? And I think Doug Gottlieb,
2: even though I hate to oh, say God. this, I think he's right when he says the players aren't as valuable as people think that they are. That that people that people go to old Miss but Let and them Mrs. find out. Exactly. So it's not the money won't be as massive as some people want to tell you that it is because i think he's right people people go to old miss and mississippi state games and southern miss games because they have a connection to the school not the players on the field that's just a side benefit they come to like the players that play for their school but the value is in the brand more than it is the player with very rare exception so the money won't be hundreds of thousands of dollars, this local business giving Alabama players everything. That doesn't make business sense either. It won't be as big as people want to make it out to be. The players aren't that valuable, but they are valuable.
1: C-SPIRE text line, Senator Burr is a former college athlete, played football at Wake Forest, who holds a high value on college education. It will be interesting to hear the debate, especially if this gets out of control with contracts for nearly every athlete on campus as a recruiting
0: method. It's not going to be well, maybe. It's it's going to happen. I mean, I, I'm
1: toothpaste is not going back in the tube. It was going to happen regardless. Today was a step for the NCAA to try and to hold on to relevancy. And that is not hyperbolic. The NCAA, through its Board of Governors today, made a begrudging decision to say, yeah, we'll go along with this and we're going to put some rules in place and try and make sure that we maintain the dividing line between professional athletics and collegiate athletics for two reasons. I believe, they are more than that. Let me be fair, they are more than that. But there are two really significant reasons. Self-preservation, first and foremost, and the abil- inability to fight 30 lawsuits in 30 different states at the exact same time. Because guess what? When an individual sues the NCAA, unless they've got deep plot pockets, the NCAA drag it out forever. Just bleed them dry. You can't bleed the state of California dry. Can't bleed the state of Florida dry. Can't bleed the state of Mississippi dry if it wanted to put this in place, suing them all over the place. And we'll see what Mitt Romney does. That's the federal government. And that's the thing. I mean, ultimately, the only way any of this is going to work, the only way it's going to work is for federal legislation to go into place because you can't have 27 different versions of name image likeness laws and have any sort of a level playing field so you're going to have to have some sort of law that goes into place that governs all of college athletics and I think that's going to happen at the federal level it's going to have to or the NCAA as we know it is going to go away might not be the worst thing in the history of the world either. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. You uh, heard in the last segment at the beginning of the college football fix that uh, there are reports that uh, Grant Tisdale has entered the transfer portal. Have you been able to confirm that? is in the transfer portal. Do you get, like, transfer portal access? I'd love to see it sometime, see what it looks like.
3: I did. I entered it. I had a great time.
1: It's time stop
0: while you're in there? Um, Yeah. Does. It's like going to the Beyond section at Bed Bath & Beyond. You don't want to be careful in there. Have you done that? I don't want to talk about it.
1: Lines for games this week. By the way, the schedule? Woof. Two top 25 matchups. One of them is Memphis and SMU game day going there that's your abc saturday night primetime game by the way i noticed in the uh, release promoting college game day yesterday that they've got a 901 special going on tickets for memphis and smu nine dollars and one cent you can buy a ticket for that game minimum of eight per purchase Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Penn State, all off. Clemson's playing Wofford. First weekend of November, everybody wants to stretch their legs a little bit. A&M is hosting Texas San Antonio. Aggies laying 38 to the Roadrunners. Georgia is a six or six-and-a-half point favorite against uh, a six-point favorite against the Gators. How do you guys feel about this game? Am I crazy to say that
2: wrong team favored? Not like crazy, crazy. I I mean, Florida has just looked
1: better recently than Georgia has. My brain. Hey, Dad, tell me if I'm crazy here. My brain, or maybe it's not my brain. Maybe my heart, even though I don't like really care about Georgia, tells me this is the time Georgia gets right. We hadn't really seen Georgia look like they were kicking at all cylinders or firing at all cylinders since the first half of the season opener. You know, they played tough, they played well against Notre Dame, but but here's what my brain says Georgia's wide receivers aren't very good. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's a problem against Florida's defense.
0: Florida, it's really, the, the the biggest thing for me in this game is Dan Mullen in games like this. Not a great record, not a great record against top ten teams. Now he has now this is one of the few times he said You know he's got a top ten team of his own. And I agree with everybody. that Says like from an eye test standpoint, Florida's playing a lot better. But I think Georgia is the more talented team. So, it, this one, as much as a, a game, it, you know, and I, I hate to use the, the cliches about a rivalry, but I really do feel like this is a coin flip kind of game. You could, you, you should feel whoever you pick, you should feel pretty good about it. Yeah. So, Borky, you think
1: that ultimately it's Florida that wins? That's
2: the gut feeling. I mean, at, at this point. How do you envision Georgia scoring points in this game? Where does that come from? I mean, we, we very well could have like a 14-10 to 10 type game. Ugly, slow, not a lot of points. Rain would be great. Just add to it
1: surely the weather's finally supposed to be good, isn't it?
2: (laughs) You would hope so. I saw the the temporary stands they built in Jacksonville, too. So behind both end zones, they have really sweet-looking club layers. And for their game on Sunday, those are all covered up by, I mean, a few thousand temporary stands that they put instead of those or on top of those club seating, which, for whatever that may be worth to you. But as far as the game itself, just where are the points for Georgia coming from? And defense wins championships, whatever, but you have to score to win
1: games. That's right. That's right. Tennessee is a ten and a half point favorite against UAB. Tennessee keep it rolling this weekend.
2: What if this is an audition for Bill Clark? <laughs>
1: that would if they if he wins, it would be. I feel like things have cooled off on Jeremy Pruitt a little bit.
2: Yeah, I mean, they should have, right? Ignoring Georgia State and BYU is probably stupid, but when you beat Mississippi State at home, then you turn around and, with the exception of a really just awful mistake from your quarterback, had Alabama completely on the ropes, and then you dominate South Carolina? It's it's marked improvement, unlike Arkansas. I guess Rippey said this yesterday. Arkansas, that was just a running joke. They weren't getting any better, but people were just grasping for something. This is tangible with Tennessee. They actually are playing better football now.
1: By the way, it would cost Tennessee $9.5 million to get rid of Jeremy Pruitt.
0: It's a lot of money. Aren't they still in some debt? They're paying a bunch of other coaches, yeah.
1: Have they not finally gotten out of that?
0: It was a few I, I, years I ago, right, where they so. were
2: $200 million or so in debt with facility upgrades and buyout contracts and
1: stuff? Yeah, and, and Dave Hart, who was two athletics directors ago, that was kind of that was kind of his deal. He came in and kind of got things financially back in order. I don't think they're paying Mike Hamilton anymore, the former AD. I don't think they're paying Derek Dooley anymore. Lane Kiffin left on his own, so they didn't have to pay him. Did they have to pay Phil Fulmer when they fired him? Sure, they did, but surely that's got to be done by now. Oh yeah, that's long since done. They had to pay Conzo Martin when they got rid of him or Conzo well, ended up leaving on his own to go to Cal didn't he yeah yeah he didn't he did not get fired yeah there were a bunch of people that they were having to pay there for a while South Carolina is a 15 point favorite against Vanderbilt at home no idea
2: zero and it doesn't really it, Derek Mason did that impassioned whatever you want to call it with the sideline reporter after they beat Missouri about I'm the man for this job. The fact that Vanderbilt and Coaching Search has been named in multiple places this week tells me that didn't help him at all.
1: Yeah. Lots of people think they want this job. I was made for this job. That's what he said after the uh, the win over Missouri a couple of weeks ago. Mississippi State, seven and a half point favorite against Arkansas. I think that opened at seven and has gone up half a
0: point. I wouldn't take the I wouldn't take state right now. Hey Dad, that's <sighs> I guess if it you. was at home, one thing, but on the road no, state I, is I so get you. bad on the road. But I just Arkansas's bad. Well, I know the thing I said on the podcast is the team state beat fifty two to six last year and now I'm I would sweat a seven point spread. But yeah. and yeah. state's taking a big step back.
1: Yeah, just, just giving you a little bit of a peek ahead to when we make picks on Friday, I will take Mississippi State and lay the seven and a half or wherever the line finishes. Um, and they're going to play everybody on defense this week, right?
0: Yeah, from everything I've been told, State will be at full go uh, as much as they possibly can. Obviously, some injuries have hurt, got hurt them. You know, Mari Smitherman out for the year. Fletcher Adams, Joe Moorehead and Nazis he's out for the year. Uh, Cam Dantzler was questionable uh, for this week. And uh, Jerry and Jones, true freshman cornerback, is also out. He's out this week. So okay. if Danzler can't go, you're looking probably starting Tyler Williams and Martin Emerson. I mean, you're in trouble at corner.
1: Well, probably the good news on that side is
0: I don't know if that matters. Yeah, you're not but playing the best Arkansas. passing team in the world. You're not. That's that's two weeks from now.
1: Auburn is an 18 and a half point favorite against Ole Miss. It opened at 18. It's gone up half a point. (sighs) My only hesitation here, or maybe I should just say my hesitation here, is Ole Miss's defense has been pretty okay. And Bo Nix hasn't scared you. And Auburn has been just okay running the football. Now, they got some guys that can fly on that team. Anthony Schwartz at the top of the list. But just kind of feels like a lot of points. It's a lot of points. National games Utah, three and a half point favorite against Washington. Oregon, only a five and a half point favorite against Southern Cal. Game is at the Coliseum.
0: People realize what a great program Southern Cal is. You're such a troll sometimes.
2: How is Clay Helton coming up for SEC jobs, by the way? I know it's just rumor and crap, but why is that even out there?
3: Rose Bowl, Pac-12
1: title. Same reason that Brett Bielema got the Arkansas job? Success in the Rose Bowl? But he went to three of them. Mississippi. Uh, Because coaching, that coaching world is incestuous, and once you're in it, you can kind of stay in it. Back after
5: this in the Renaissance Bank Studio.